And welcome back to Case by Case. My name is Helen Emery and I'm joined by Kyle Williams. Hello. Thank you to all of those who downloaded episode one. We hope you enjoy episode two just as much. And if you're new to Case by Case, this is a clinical case-based revision podcast. The case today is actually another very common presentation to the emergency department. I think the Royal College of Emergency Medicine quote 1-2% to of presentations to ED are due to acute, lone, severe headache. Is that all? (laughs) Why do you feel like you see more than that? Yeah, absolutely. It uh, It seems much more common than that. It does feel more common, but 1-2%, to that's two out of every 100 presentations. So that's two of the 100 people that you see per shift, Kyle. (laughs) or year but out of how many of those have a significant pathology i think sort of looking at the literature 90 percent have a benign cause and so that leaves obviously 10 8 9 10 percent so 10 percent of our two percent of presentations but 10 percent of all the headaches come in that's quite significant the first thing that goes through my mind when i see that headache in is do i need lunch do i need a wee do i need to review anybody does anybody need any help and it's only if that's a negative to all those do I then pick that card up. And I know I've given my game away and people may now in work be watching, but that's the decision-making process that I go through before I see a patient. <laughs> I will be watching you like a hawk. <laughs> this is a case of a 23-year-old female patient who walked into the emergency department having quite a bad headache. She described it as an 8 out of 10 all over her head and all she really wanted to do was lie down in a dark room and go to sleep. Sounds painful. Yeah, yeah, she didn't didn't look that happy, to be honest. She not? No. She's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. She'd had a headache since about midday. It had got worse over the day. She just described it as a throbbing headache all over her head. Got gradually worse over that period of time. Yeah, gradually worse since, since about midday. Okay. She was nauseated but had no vomiting. The pain didn't radiate anywhere particularly. She tried paracetamol, which had eased it very slightly. And it wasn't worse on bending over or coughing. Did she have any photophobia or visual symptoms? She said that she would rather the lights were off. So a little bit of photophobia. Okay. At the time, she said her vision was normal. However, about half an hour before the headache came on, she described us as, as not being able to see around the edge of both eyes. Okay. Any zigzags or any of that kind of thing? No, she just described it as kind of a blindness, a fuzziness around the edge of her peripheral vision on both eyes. Okay. She'd not had any speech disturbance and no weakness of her arms or legs. So she didn't have a floppy arm? No floppy arm, not in this case. Any facial weakness or slurring of the speech? No, she'd not noticed any and I couldn't see any. She hadn't collapsed or anything like that? No loss of consciousness and no history of head injury. What about any neck stiffness? No, neck was completely fine, moving about normally and said the pain was only in her head, it hadn't gone down to her neck. And no rashes or, or any evidence of feeling unwell or any of that kind of thing? No rashes, no vomiting, no fever, no meningitis. Okay, awesome. And her obs were all normal. Okay. And has she ever had a headache before? Is she a headache person? Mm, so she'd had headaches, but she's described them as the kind of usual, which I always find a bit tricky because usual headaches, I guess, are, are different for different people. I don't know what you think. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I guess you've got stress headaches and that kind of thing. But mm. she never had anything like this before. No, nothing like this before. This was the worst headache she's ever had. Okay. Okay. That's a worry. On examination then, unsurprisingly, it was completely normal. <laughs> completely normal? Completely normal. So I did her cranial nerves, visual acuity was fine, no blind spot, no visual field defects. The rest of her neurology, so power, tone, sensation in her arms and legs was all normal. And she was walking okay? Yeah, I watched her walking from the waiting room and her gait was absolutely normal. Okay, so couldn't elicit any fi- any worrying findings at all then really by the sounds of things? No, no worrying findings at all. Did she have any any medical history or was she on any medicines or anything that sort of might account for a headache? Yeah, yeah, that's a much more systematic way of doing it, Carl. I've jumped from presenting a plate <laughs> to examination, bringing me back. Thank you very much. No worries. So past medical history, nil. She didn't complain of anything at all. Nothing? No. She said that she was not on any medications. She had a coil fitted, wasn't on a combined oral contraceptive pill. Oh, good. Okay. And no allergies to anything. No family history. Lives at home with her partner. She works in retail, non-smoker, binges about once a month. No drugs. Okay, and she wasn't sort of not menstruating or any of that kind of thing at that moment in time? No, no. So she says that she hasn't had a period since her coil was put in. Okay, okay. And not particularly stressed? No, not that she complained of. And she hadn't been, she'd not been living in, 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 a, in a tent? Yep, she did live in a tent, yeah. Yeah, and there's a big hole in the side, so... yeah, With, a, with an open <laughs> fire, maybe? Oh, maybe that's why she had the hole, because she had a fire in the tent. <laughs> it was the middle of summer, her heating wasn't on. She didn't have a, a fire going or anything like that. And nobody else, and their partner, nobody else in the house had any other sort of headaches or anything? No headaches in the house, so no sign of carbon monoxide poisoning. Okay, okay, good. Worst case, worst headache ever, has she got a subrack? That is the elephant in the room, isn't it? It is, definitely. It's the, the golden goose we're all looking for, isn't it? <laughs> Do you think she's got a subarach? No, probably not. So there's lots of reasons that she probably hasn't got a subarach. She doesn't meet any of the red flags. It wasn't that kind of thunderclap headache. It was a gradual onset to peak well over an hour period. She was under 50. Although I guess the slight concern for me was that you did mention it. or she, did, did she describe it as the worst ever headache? Or is that something that you've put in? Her words were she'd never had a headache like this before. Okay, so it was, it, in all intents and purposes, was the, the worst ever headache then. So that would be the only sort of slight concern for me would be that this is a patient that doesn't have headaches or has normal headaches in inverted commas and she's presented with a headache that is worse than previous headaches and was new in terms of characteristics. So that would be the only slight concern for me. Yeah, I think that's really valid as well. But she is a bit young. It wasn't a sudden onset thunderclap, typical thunderclap headache. She'd had the headache by this point. I was seeing her at about seven in the evening. So it'd come on at lunchtime. During that time, she'd developed no focal neurology. She had a typical aura, no neck stiffness, so no signs of her irritated meninges. And the headache had slightly improved with paracetamol. Oh, good. Okay. So I guess that that's reassuring. I do hear what you're saying. And of course, that was at the forefront of my mind, not the back of my mind. But I had a diagnosis that I thought was much more likely. What is this likely diagnosis of yours? Of our other 
headache types. I don't think it was a tension headache. That doesn't tend to last more than a few hours. Okay. And it would be unusual for her to have some visual disturbance with that. Okay, okay. Cluster headaches. You're more likely to have one of those than I am. Yeah, I am a boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, is it six times more likely? I think six six times more likely. And I think it's isn't it associated with lots of sort of suicide headaches, isn't it? I think. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. They, they can be that bad that they, they, they drive people to contemplate suicide. They are also usually unilateral, often around the eye, and they can have watery or red eyes as well. And that doesn't, I'm not saying I ruled it out because of that, but it just didn't, it didn't sound like a cluster headache. Okay. So that leaves you with? I thought she had a space occupying lesion. Oh, really? <laughs> no, okay. but now I've mentioned it, shall we talk about it? Yeah. You sounded quite surprised. You obviously don't think she had a space occupying lesion. No. No, I guess generally, you know, there's, they've usually got a more insidious onset. They're usually sort of prolonged headaches. I, I think most of the space occupying lesions we find in ED are secondary to the first seizures, I think. That's certainly where I've sort of found a couple in the past. But usually they get a long term headaches. They usually get postural symptoms, so so vomiting in the mornings, headaches worse in the mornings. Maybe, you know, if it's late stages, sort of weight loss and and that kind of thing. Unusual for them to present sort of solely with a principal headache. Well, that's my experience anyway. And if she was having a headache due to a space-occupying lesion, so what we're saying there, raised intracranial pressure, then I'd expect some maybe some focal neurology or some other signs. Yeah, probably. Uh, Interestingly, though... Pituitary tumours can present with a headache. Yeah, and no, and no symptoms. But again, it was a headache lasting a few hours, not a few days, and I thought that was unlikely. Okay. You're keeping me in suspense. I am keeping you in suspense. So there's something else to consider with headache, I guess. One of our severe causes of headache. But she is not a 50-year-old lady, and she didn't have any scalp tenderness, and she was systemically well. So not temporal arteritis then? No, not a temporal arteritis. So I ruled that out. Awesome. So, Kyle. Come on. I thought she was having a migraine. A migraine. Lovely. Done? <laughs> yeah. Probably need to talk a bit more. So it's a migraine with an aura then, I guess, prompted you to go down that route. So that aura symptoms before developing the headache, maybe? Yeah. So it was a classic aura. It lasted between okay. five minutes and one hour. It affected both her eyes. Okay. It's quite common to have a visual disturbance around the edge of both eyes. I, I hear what you were saying in the history. Zigzags are also very common. Those symptoms sounded like an aura to me. Yeah. She was a little bit photophobic, but not overtly. She had no neurology, no other signs or symptoms. And she's in the right age group for a migraine. Before 40 is usually the diagnostic age, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think I read that 80% have uh, presented with a headache before the age of 30. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Well, I didn't didn't know that. Okay. You are right, Carl. I I did feel a bit twitched about sending her home saying that she was having a migraine when she was having the worst headache of her life. And the first headache, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. First and worst. Hmm. Hmm. Difficult combination, that, isn't it? It is difficult. What would you have done? So I, I think I'd have been sort of in exactly the same boat as you, really, in that history fits with a migraine with an aura in the right age group, in the right gender. But it is that first and worst headache that would concern me a little bit in terms of, as an emergency clinician, you know, I want to rule out the really bad stuff. And we are probably more of a pessimist than optimist maybe and i'd be really concerned that she's got or had or having a subarachnoid it's a really difficult decision 
to make with regards to whether to scan her or not and then admit her under the medic. So I don't know is the answer to you. And probably if you asked a cross-section of, of senior medics, I, I would imagine a number of them would give you different advice and strategies. I guess maybe a test would be to try some treatment to see if you could try to reverse the headache and then see what happens. I guess irradiating a 23-year-old lady for no reason. I don't know. I know. That's also weighing heavily on my mind. So what did you do? So I basically handed the responsibility to someone else. Oh, really? I sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I had a chat with the boss. Okay. And the boss, And what did they think? We looked at the guidelines. So the NICE guidelines? Yeah, the NICE guidance. There's BASH guidance. There's SIGN guidance. The NICE guidance do state that warning features in the history is headache that is new or unexpected in an individual patient. We could argue that she has that. That's our concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thunderclap headache, she didn't have that. No. Headache with atypical aura. Well, hers was very typical. Aura occurring for the first time in a patient during use of combined oral contraceptives. Didn't have that. New onset headache in a patient older than 50 years. Not that. Or in a patient with a history of cancer or HIV infection. None of those. They do suggest looking at the optic fundi, so fundoscopy. How are you with fundoscopy? I'm brilliant. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. How are you? Uh, terrible. Mm, thought as much. <laughs> fundoscopy I find very difficult. I need to dilate the pupils to be able to see much. But also doing that in ED, there's a practicality issue there. Yeah, they need to get home. Did she have sunglasses with her? No, she didn't have sunglasses with her. Oh, dear. She hadn't driven herself there, though, so that was one thing. Oh, luckily. Okay. So I did have a look at the back of her eye with the boss and she didn't have any papilledema. Oh, really? So it's a normal, normal discs. That's reassuring. That rules out another of our differentials of idiopathic intracranial hypertension. That is benign intracranial hypertension for any of you old-fashioned BM folk like you. <laughs> oh, is it? Showed my age again. What we really wanted to know was what's the guidance for scanning? And one of the worrying features is, is a new headache. But everybody that suffers with migraines has to have a first one at some point. So what did we do for her? Well, we gave her a bit of treatment and we watched her. Okay. And what treatment? So what would you have given her? From sort of my experience, there's no defined or classical sort of treatment regimen, really. It varies so some sort of antiemetic, some sort of analgesic, some sort of anti-inflammatory. My strategy, if you like, is usually a bag of fluid, some IV paracetamol, some metrocopamide, and aspirin 900 is kind of my first line. What about my 23-year-old female? Would she have got a dose of metrocopamide? I'd be cautious about the risk of a dystonic reaction so i think the bnf says that females between 15 and 19 i think are at highest risk i'd be cautious but on balance i think the benefits would outweigh the risks so i probably would just anecdotally from my practice metacopamide seems to to work really 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 well maybe if she's a bit younger i wouldn't i think i would as well in her and we know metacopamide is good for nausea related to migraine did you give anything else what are your thoughts on triptans very limited experience sort of using triptans. I thought you were just going to stop with limited experience. I have very limited experience with anything. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Generally. Actually, if you look at the NICE guidance, it suggests a combination therapy. So paracetamol, one gram, which you'd already had. An NSAID, your aspirin, 900 milligrams. Triptan and an antiemetic, usually metoclopramide. Codeine, opiates, that kind of thing, not recommended. Triptans are in the NICE guidance and the BASH guidance, but we have to be quite careful with them, don't we? Yeah, contraindications and the side effects. Pretty massive, aren't they? 
Yeah, pretty huge. Any ischemic heart disease, any cardiovascular disease, things like hypertension. Well, they're complete contraindications. Yeah, and I think sort of isn't there some cautions around sort of seizures and elderly and even controlled hypertension, I think is a caution, isn't it? Okay. Also, they require follow-up and I just wonder actually with their kind of contraindications and their follow-up need, whether they're entirely appropriate to be started in ED. I get if people have established migraines, then you might want to use a triptan if that's worked in the past. But I think probably actually starting them in the emergency department is debatable and probably clinician specific. I wonder if a better strategy is actually just treating their migraine with the paracetamol and the NZs and asking them to see their GP for follow-up and they could start a triptan if necessary at that point. So that's what we did. She'd had her paracetamol. We gave her 900 milligrams of aspirin and 10 milligrams of metoclopramide and we watched her for a little bit to see if the headache improved. And did it work? Yep, she had a bit of a lie down and actually, yeah, she felt hugely, hugely better. Okay, completely. Yeah. Completely resolved. Awesome. Life saved. Wow. Life saved indeed. Well done, me. So by this point, I'm really thinking, I don't think this is a brack. I agree. So she didn't get a CT scan. Okay. And she went home. She went home and I've not heard from her since. She must have been all right. I did ask her to go and see her GP to follow up. So I guess what you're saying is that you diagnosed her with a migraine with an aura. So first migraine... With an aura. Yes. So she'd probably score zero on the Ottawa subarachnoid rules, really, as well, wouldn't she? Boom! Where did that come from, Kyle? Ottawa? (laughs) Presumably. Come on, then. Enlighten me with your... Ottawan. Ottawan? Oh, I don't know. Um, Ottawa? The... Oh, I don't know. Ottawan? Is it Ottawan, then? We'll give it the Ottawan. The study was sort of custom made for our patient, really. The study recognises that, you know, making decisions in patients with a normal neurology exam and normal investigations can be really difficult. Basically made a set of rules that can help clinicians make decisions about further investigation strategies and admission. So what they come up with is that a set set of risk factors, really, and that is age over 40, neck pain and and or stiffness, a witness loss of consciousness, onset during exertion, a thunderclap headache, instantly peak in pain and limited neck flexion on examination and what they found was that if anybody had one of those or more they should be investigated for a subarach so have a ct and a lumbar puncture so i guess she's a big fat zero so go with your gut feeling and diagnosis of a migraine i guess i think the caveat though is that it hasn't been 100 percent validated yet oh kyle there's always a but isn't there it's always a but, but it is, you know, it is showing promise for being safe, um, but it will need validation. So I guess you shouldn't sort of put everything on this decision room. So you should continue to use your gestalt. Are we going to get that into every podcast? Maybe, that, maybe that's our aim. So it's a good tool, but needs validation. Great. So uh, presumably you've got a link there for us, Kyle, that we can pop on the website. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. And it's free. And it's free. What more do you want? What more? I mean, the best things in life are free. And then the other thing that I found on one of the websites, and I guess would also then support your diagnosis, and it, but it is a bit about likelihood ratios. So it's a mnemonic, pound, pulsating, duration of four to 72 hours, unilateral, nausea, disabling. Can I just stop you? Did you say it was pound? Pound. So the mnemonic is pounding. So why is the second letter a D? Oh, so it's f- 
H for hours. What's the mnemonic? So, so, <laughs> so it's H O U R S. So this is on the Royal College of Emergency Medicine's site about primary headaches. So what does the P stand for? Pulsating or throbbing. What's the O? Duration of four to seventy-two hours. Sorry, Kyle. I'm still a bit stuck. <laughs> I know. I didn't come up with this. I promise you. It sounds like you did and you've somehow put an O, but actually it's referring <laughs> to an H word. Yeah, but there's a, there's an O after the H. <laughs> it works. Oh. Okay, please tell us it again. The mnemonic is pounding. P for pulsating or throbbing. The O, loosely, for duration of 4 to 72 hours. The U for unilateral, N for nausea, D for disabling, and the likelihood ratio for somebody having a migraine when three of those features are present is 3.5. But if you get four, the likelihood ratio is a whopping 24. Wow, okay. So I guess your patient ticks all of those. Mm. Yes. So actually that would further support your diagnosis of a migraine absolutely okay that's that's really good to know i still take issue with it but i'll get over it when you see it you it's all un, it's all bold and underlined you'll understand it okay let's summarize okay we've got a 23 year old female who's got a worsening headache over a couple of hours with some aura symptoms blurring of the peripheral edges of her vision that had been going on for about seven hours by the time you examined her and that with some treatment for migraine got better with no red flags no except it being the worst headache of her life worst ever headache okay and positively supported by some literature such as the ottawa subarach rules that got better with treatment i don't really know what a migraine is though does anybody I, I don't know. Is there anybody out there? No. No. <laughs> You'll have to do with me. So, so I don't think anybody knows what a, a migraine is. So I thought until recently, sort of people thought that it might have been a, a vascular problem. I think it was the best thinking up until very recently. But I think there's some work out there that's contradicted that. And I think they think that actually a migraine is a, a disorder of brain function rather than a disorder of the blood vessels. I guess that's that's what I read. And that's my understanding. I don't know whether you know anything any different or... No, no, as you say before, I thought it was a disorder of the blood vessels, but as you've quite rightly said, that doesn't seem to be the case. I guess it remains a bit of a mystery. To wrap things up then, the take-home message for that case for me was, is this a subarachnoid hemorrhage or not? And I got past that by discussing it with a senior colleague, looking at the guidelines and trusting my gestalt. Your gestalt. That's three times today. But also, I didn't let her leave until I was happy that it was getting better. And had it not, had it worsened, had she developed other signs, then I would have taken a different path. I think, I guess, clin- clinical correlation and monitoring is a, a good strategy for lots of conditions. I think sometimes we are very lucky that we've got access to CT on demand almost. And I think sometimes then we don't use our gestalt, that's number four, as much as we should do. Agreed. Case two, done. 
Okay, so thank you very much for listening. And if this is your second time listening, thank you a bit more. You can check us out on Twitter. We have a Facebook page or you can go to our website, www.casebycasepodcast.co.uk. Tell us what you think. Give us some suggestions. Tell us what you would have done in this case. We'd be really, really happy to hear from you. Once again, we'll pop some links on the website, some useful links to the things that we've spoken about. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, Kyle. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.